All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vein Whitetail series. Today we got Austin Chandler on. Austin is a multi, uh, he kills big bucks, multiple big bucks, seemingly every single year. Uh, he's a whitetail outfitter and he's a co host of the Working Class Bow Hunter. Phenomenal dude with a whole lot of information and intel that we're going to try to drag out of him today and uh, and share with everyone else. He's already got one awesome buck on the ground on November 4th, and we're certainly going to recount that story. But I'm um, looking into more strategic placements um, and, and strategies for, you know, that mid-November time frame. Um, before we get into that, though, just a couple quick quick updates um, for the sponsors that are that are helping me out on this podcast. Venado, if you're looking into lifestyle clothing and apparel and you want to support uh, a company that also uh, supports hunting, look at Venado. Phenomenal Christmas gifts, um, awesome clothing. Again, re really high quality. Guys are out of Wisconsin. Great, great couple dudes. Uh, next one is Onyx Maps. If you haven't heard of them, GPS mapping tool shows private public land boundaries. You can add waypoints. You can track your GPS. I use it for as a running app as well when I'm out running. Um, just a whole lot host of stuff you can do there. And the big reason I, I started using them was because the maps can be used offline as well. So you don't have to have internet access. And last, last partner before we jump in here is a Vector Custom Shop. These guys make awesome, awesome arrows. Um, so if you guys are, you have, you're having troubles tuning your bow or you're not quite sure like how your arrow's flying and if it's getting messed up and all that kind of stuff, go ahead, give Vector Custom Shop a, uh, a call. They will take your measurements, your specs on your bow, what you're looking for, what you're looking to hunt, all that kind of stuff and build a custom arrow for you that is built for your for your bow and the species that you're hunting. All right, so with that, Austin, what's up, man? What's happening, Anthony? Yeah, catching you between hunts today. I'm a busy guy this time of year. I've, uh, I'm, I apologize. I've been putting you off a little bit the last few weeks, but I'm, uh, I'm a farmer and the harvest went a little later this year. So when I wanted to be out hunting, I was sitting in a combine. So that's no fun. <laughs> yeah. Sitting in the combine. Were you watching any bucks run around while you're up in there? I did see a few, nothing really big. Uh, yesterday I had to go fix a crossing to get my combine across on a kind of a rough farm that I just bought but there was a great big buck standing in the middle of my clover plot when I went down to fix the crossing. So that made me <laughs> want to get in the stand even more. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I appreciate you, you know, taking the time out today uh, of the woods to pop out, have the podcast. And I know you're going to pop back in this afternoon here as well. Um, but that's pretty sweet seeing that big, big one out there. Is that one that you know of, or you've seen him before? Or? He was far enough away that I couldn't really tell who he was i didn't have my binoculars with me but i could just tell he was big 150s plus which is a pretty good deer yeah. um i'm i i whitetail hunt a lot so i'm kind of particular on which deer i shoot um i i run across several farms so i kind of have an option to be picky um i uh, i shot a great buck there about a week ago so now i'm waiting on one specific deer and if it's not him it's going to have to be one the same caliber of deer. So I'm, I'm kind of holding out for that one, but it's still fun to get out and, and just watch deer and watch the activity this time of year. It's always fun during the rut. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, well, lately I haven't been, honestly, I sat yes, two days ago, November 8th. And I saw one deer. I sat all day. I saw one deer at 7am and, and three deer at 4:30 PM. <laughs> yeah. was... That makes, 
that makes for a brutal all day set when you don't see much, but <laughs> it, it does. It can go yeah. the other way too. Yeah. It can go the other way in a heartbeat when you're sitting there and you haven't seen much and then it just, the hot dough comes in and it explodes and there's four or five bucks in the area. Right. That's what I was hoping for <laughs> all day. I was like, well, it can happen at any minute, you know? Yep. Um, yep. This time of year, you never know. Yeah. I was sitting in like a, a, a pinch point that was also had some thick bedding in it. So, um, at that point, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's, you just never know when it could pop off. And the main shooters I've had on my property have been going through that pinch point. I got them on camera chasing does around in there. So just had to have the confidence. It didn't work out, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to sit there again. Right. Yeah. Sounds like it's a great spot. <laughs> and I, that's, that sounds like it is to me too. Hopefully I can pull one out of there this year. Um, very cool. Yeah. So going, going forward, you, you said you already knocked down a nice one. Um, actually, we, you also talked that, yeah, two things I want to talk about is one, the, the buck you've already knocked down and two, uh, the, um, the multiple properties. So are you, have you purchased a lot of properties or are you leasing those or what are you doing for that? So kind of a combination of the two. Um, being a farmer, it, it works out that I buy farms and not all of them are 100% tillable. So the farms that have some deer hunting on it, it's kind of a, a double benefit for me. So I get to farm it and hunt it. Um, I, uh, I've recently, this past year, I bought a, a nice, a really nice whitetail farm, uh, with some tillable on it. And then, uh, the couple of years before that, I think it was 2018, I bought a farm about 10 minutes south of there. And it's a great deer farm as well with some tillable on it. So, um, I do, I, I am a licensed outfitter for Illinois. Um, I do 10 day whitetail hunts. Uh, it's kind of a do it yourself type operation. I kind of hand you the keys to the farm and give you some advice. I have a few pre-hung stands, but most of my guys are well-versed in mobile hunting. So, it's uh it's fun i have repeat clients most of my clients are guys that come back year after year and we have a great time this time of year yeah i bet that's pretty cool i like that it's uh uh like kind of a semi-guided right and that makes yeah it, that gives you a little bit more of um what do i want to say a feeling of accomplishment if you hang your own set you pick your own stand you pick your own area and you find that buck you know you're kind of just oh for sure yep for that ten yeah most most of my guys are great whitetail hunters uh, a lot of them are from states that don't have the caliber of deer that we do so they kind of take off from hunting their own places and head down here when when the rut's on and and try to get on the caliber of deer that that you know that they dream of um and, and i run trail cameras on all my farms so they kind of have some intel on the farm when they step onto my place and know which deer are there and what to kind of hold out for and it, it works out i i have a lot of happy clients yeah oh that's awesome so then you're free. You said, you, you said something, um, that you shot your initial buck, which looks like, I mean, is he like a high one forties buck? No, he's, he's a deceiving deer. I, uh, I had pictures of that deer on a farm that was just North of the farm that I killed him on. And, uh, when I saw him come in, I immediately knew the deer that he was. He has real distinct split brows. And I was, I was in that area hunting a bigger deer and that big deer was all over it. He just moved in the night before and was blowing my camera up. And so I was going to hold out for that deer. And when I saw this, when he gave me the 20 yard shot that I needed and 
I actually was Snapchatting him, sending it to my buddies, and he gave me that walking away, and I pulled the binoculars up, looked at him, and I'm like, you know what? He's just too good. I can't, I can't pass that <laughs> one. So, so the the old doe brought him back by, and and I smoked him. Uh, I look at the tactic cam footage, looking back on it, I think he was on his feet for 24 seconds after I shot him. Oh, geez. Awesome. Great shot, man. And that is, yeah, uh, yeah I'm re looking at the Instagram right now, 165 inches. I mean, yeah, that is uh, the quality of deer that people that 99% of people wouldn't even take a second guess at. You just look at it, go, yep, you're a shooter. <laughs> and then go pull yeah, it. Well, I, I almost passed him. I've got some good deer, but he, in the end, he had big mass. He was kind of short tined. He didn't have a tine that was nine inches. So he went 165 as a short tine deer, but just a real nice buck and was uh was real happy to put my first tag on him so now i'm being really picky on the second one <laughs> yeah oh that's that's awesome that you've created the opportunity for yourself um to be able to you know hunt deer of that caliber and be picky about it that's that's a phenomenal I've, i imagine a lot of people um are looking to create that type of lifestyle um so yep. kudos to you for doing it um could you walk us through like the the strategy behind that air that area that you were sitting and why you chose to sit there what this deer was doing and and things like that yep well a lot of it's just knowing your farm and i've been blessed to have that farm in my family it's the farm i killed my first whitetail buck on uh, i was actually only 150 yards from where i killed my very first archery deer when i shot this last one but uh, it's just kind of a matter of knowing your farm, knowing when and where the deer are going to be. Um, that's just a classic ridge line that usually has a scrape or two. And I got in about a week before I hunted it and found the scrape and popped the cell camera up in hopes of seeing that big deer. And when the big deer started hitting it, then that's when I moved in. I, I knew my odds were really good at seeing that big deer that morning. And after I killed my buck about 30 minutes later, my big deer did show up, but unfortunately he caught my wind. So he has not been back since. <laughs> so oh, I'm just, kind of, I'm kind of waiting him out right now. It's just kind of a patience game. Now I'll let the area cool off and hopefully he'll move back in. He's a resident deer, so he should move back in. Gotcha. So tell, talk to me about the classic ridgeline setup in a, in a context that if other people are analyzing their property or thinking about their own property in their head, like what makes this classic ridgeline with a scrape? And yeah, why, well, yeah, go it, continue. It, it's just it's just a, a tall ridgeline. Deer naturally move across it. Um, I what I like to do is I'll walk a ridge because I know that the deer are going to walk the ridge, and then I'll find a trail that's intersecting that ridge. So a, a couple of trails might meet in one spot that cross that ridge, and that's a hot spot to to kind of look at. Um, any difference in topography? Any any thing that looks different that could cause deer to pinch or move that way you know i just pay particular attention to that and uh and that spot there were two trails that came together there was the ridge and then there was two scrapes right there so it's kind of like all the pieces of the puzzle kind of add up to that one little spot so that's why the camera got placed there and that's why i hunted it plus it's in the heart of my property and there's a nice uh, deep ravine that I can use to walk up right into the middle of my property without alerting too many deer. So it works out really well. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that is, that sounds pretty slick. Um, did you, so that, that buck started hitting that scrape and that's why you moved in there. Did you wait for any like specific weather conditions or were you just 
kind of going off the trail camera it didn't matter so you were in there well typically when the big deer starts blowing up the camera the conditions are starting to get favorable and that's why he's moving it's uh i mean the time of the year was right 90 percent of my deer come between the second and the seventh of november so it was right in that hot week that i like to hunt um and he started getting active the weather had cooled off. It was a nice cool front. We just got a rain, so I wasn't able to farm. So everything just kind of lined up for me and I was able to get out there and get after them. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, you know, I'll be honest, November 4th, um, my camera blew up. I don't have cell cameras, but the cameras I checked, I checked them on, I started hunting on the fifth and I checked them on the sixth. Um, they were really active on the fourth. And then uh, my other buddy had a very, had very active cameras on the fourth this year. Is that, did you say your cameras were blowing up as well? Yeah, I think that between the third and the fourth is kind of when things finally broke loose here. And I was seeing more chasing than I, than I had been. I would say that the third or the fourth was kind of the start of it here. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing for me was, you know, now that that's, that it's in the past, right? So what were those, I always try to look at those and say, what were those conditions that allowed it to break loose? Or how can I look at a weather pattern or a time of year next year and say, this is the day because, you know, of these conditions or something like that. Um, Cause all of us, I not, not necessarily you, but a lot of us are dealing with a work schedule and trying to take off. And I, I end, I end up, you know, based on a 10 day outlook, I try to take off cold fronts at, you know, towards the end of October and all through early November, mid November. Um, but other than that, you know, if we get high temperatures like this last week, right, we've been in Wisconsin and Madison, I've been in the sixties, um, and South winds and it just hasn't, hasn't been right. So I'm trying to, you know, uh, use the right days to get out there. Was there anything about the third and the fourth in your mind um, that triggered the cut loose or do you think it was just like that time? Well, I just kind of expected, I mean, every year it's pretty much the same here. It's usually around the first or second. I think it was a day or two later here than it normally is. I don't know if it was due to warmer temperatures early on or what, but, um, a couple of, a couple of things that I would look at for people that have a work schedule and they kind of like to plan in advance for when they're going to take off and hunt. I use two different apps. Um, I pay a lot of attention to the red moon and I pay a lot of attention to deer cast. And they're okay. usually when, when both of those are lining up saying it's time to hunt, it's usually a pretty good bet that you should be in the timber. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I've been using the moon, uh, the moon guide this year. I haven't been using deer cast, but I have been using moon guide and it's been, I, I mean, no, November 4th wasn't necessarily a, a good moon day, but uh, I, clearly it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's, that's the thing, like this time of year, I mean, not everything has to line up, but if you get a couple factors right the first week in November, I mean, I hunt as much as I can. Like, that's what I tell everybody as a beginning bow hunter. When it really clicked for me was when I just started hunting as much as I possibly could. Okay. And that's what, that's why I find a lot of the success that I do because I just grind really hard. I mean, I, you know, and I have that luxury. A lot of people don't, but being a farmer, once my crop is out, I'm pretty much able to hunt whenever I want. So that's kind of a blessing for me. But, yeah. um, if I didn't have that capability, I would definitely be basing my hunts around that red moon and, 
and paying attention to what the guys at Drury are saying through that DeerCast app. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great tips there. Um, in terms of hunting a lot and grinding it out, do you have one, one thing that's pretty been a pretty hot topic is, um, essentially like burning out a tree stand. Right. And, and people always like to say the first sit is the best sit, which I certainly agree with, but for 99% of us, it doesn't happen on the first sit. Do you have any like strategies or anything around sitting a, a specific area multiple times and how you can keep that from being burnt out? Yeah, deer definitely will get onto your location. I, I've always kept a rotation of fixed stands in my favorite spots. And honestly, probably 80 to 90% of my hunts now are mobile sets. So if I can't make it into that nice old pre-hung stand that I have, I'm, I'm mobile. Um, so that way it's your first set every time I find a lot of success that way. I keep the deer guessing. They don't know where I'm at. Um, anybody that is well-versed in whatever type of mobile hunting they like, whether it's a saddle or a hang on or whatever, um, if you're well-versed in that and you're quiet and you're fast and you're light, you're going to find a lot of success that way. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. You know, it's funny. I went in when I, when we got our property, um, 110 acres, I went and bought, I thought, I think I bought like 12 tree stands and a bunch of setups. And I think nine of them are still in the shed. Yep. <laughs> it's just, uh, I said, I have a few set up and I find that, you know, as I learn the property, I learned that they're in the wrong spots, you know, for what I wanted or something like that for, for whatever reason, they're just not that, not that proper. So I end up, you know, 90% of the time I'm running a mobile setup too, picking different trees. Obviously I have a few trees that I like on the property that I know for specific winds and I want to hunt this specific area, you know, I can get in this, this tree over here. Um, but other than that, yeah, there's, I found a couple new spots this year that have been really productive for me in, in seeing deer. Um, haven't one of them I've saw a nice shooter out of, um, but he is, he took a totally different route than I ever expected. And now I got to throw a camera on that to, to keep an eye on that route. Cause it seemed after he took it, I walked over there um, later in the morning about 11 AM and checked out that trail. And it seems like he's probably taken it a few times or other maturity or have as well. Yep. So. And I, while we're on the topic of trails, I, if you ever watch a big buck, a lot of times that this time of year, especially they'll, they'll kind of cut trails. So they necessarily won't walk an easy trail. They'll kind of cut trails. They'll kind of cut down a ridge and hit two or three trails and it lets them scent check a lot faster this time of year. So mm. don't be surprised to see the trail you anticipate your deer to be on. He'll cross, he'll cross it, but he might not stay on it. You know, he's kind of cutting it and scent checking. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause I mean, most, most deer trails will run, you know, they, a lot of them won't run straight uphill, right. They'll run at an angle up or down a hill. Right. So then he'll just, he'll probably just cut straight down and just check them all. Yeah. Uh, uh, what yep. a, you'll you'll see ahead. a lot of does. You'll see a lot of does run the trails like that, but it, it seems like if you really pay attention, a lot of times the big deer don't always run the same trail that the does do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an interesting, you know, that's always a conundrum in, in my mind is essentially, you know, the big trail is at 30 yards, but there's this little trail that I think that's got a couple rubs on it. It's not, it doesn't seem very active, but it seems like if they were going to run, 
the trails, this would be the one as it's downwind of these other ones. So they might be able to scoot through there a little less noticeably. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a great point. Um, one of the other things is I, I've never, uh, I haven't had a great understanding of this and it sounds like you do, which is um, scrapes I've, I've found in the past are really hot in, you know, obviously mid-October, late October can get really, really productive. And then in November, sometimes those scrapes or in early November, they just shut off because I, I don't know the exact reason. I theorize that these bucks are just out breeding does rather than checking scrapes. But you said that that mature deer that you were after had started picking up on that scrape in early November. So then you knew it was time to sit. Um, do, do you find that you still have mature deer hitting scrapes in early November? Um, and then that's a key indicator to sit that area. I do. Yeah. I pay a lot of attention to scrapes and I, what I really like is to find that big scrape, right? That community scrape that multiple deer are using. And that's a good way to take inventory in your area just generally. But yeah, I mean, they, they start those scrapes up, you know, late October is a great time to kill a big deer on a scrape but I find a lot of deer going all the way through November, uh, checking at the same scrape that they did in October. Um, if they're not pressured and they're staying in that area, you know, they'll do their business with their does and they'll bump back and forth and check their does, uh, between the doe bedding areas. And a lot of times those transition pieces are where you're going to find those scrapes and they'll, they'll touch that scrape up as they're moving through. Or sometimes they don't even, you know, they just kind of smell the scrape and walk through. They're just kind of checking but yeah. no, I, I keep cameras going all year long on scrapes. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, inter that's interesting. I, I mean, it's not a, a very surprising fact. Um, I just know like last year, my cameras that I had on scrapes, um, kind of went cold in the first week in November and then picked back up in the second week. Um, and that could be for a variety of reasons. Uh, but yeah, it's just something I wanted to, to pick your brain with. Um, one of the other things that, that I've seen and I want to get your take on here is with uh, the rut going on, one of the things you said was, you know, that buck um, that you were after, you know, he got your wind, he kind of busted out of that area and you're just letting it cool down. But the interesting thing you said there is he's a resident deer, so I'm sure he'll be back um, with that. So in that sense, you're saying that, that you've seen that deer maybe in the early season and he kind of lives on that property. So you think that he's spending, you know, his whole rut there pretty much. He may be venturing out here and there, but for the most part, he's staying in this core area and you're, you're fairly certain he'll be back here in a few days, if not already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this farm, I, I know very well. And this particular deer, I've been watching him for the, this is the fourth season now. Um, okay. So I've got kind of a, a little bit of a, I mean, there's not much of a pattern. He loves the whole farm. I've seen him all over it, but. <laughs> He's, uh, he tends to, he tends to kind of start using the farm around the first or second week of November. And this year it's been a little earlier. I was seeing him in October. So that's got my hopes high that he's kind of the dominant deer in the area. He's kind of claimed his throne now. So he's going to be the one that's going to claim that farm as his, and he's going to stay there. And I think if I don't kill him here in the next couple of weeks, then I'll have a pretty good crack at him in the late season. Uh, my wife actually missed him last year during the late season on a big, on a uh, big time plot. So <laughs> we've oh. got some, hit, we've got some history with him. 
Oh, that's wild. Did he blow up this year? Did he get even bigger? He was big last year. He He's a tight frame deer, probably 13 inches wide last year, but he was probably in the mid-60s. Um, this year, he's bigger. He's Yeah. He's, oh, that's cool. He's at least, yeah, he's at least 70s this year. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Good. Uh, yeah, I'm just curious about that because um, sometimes, you know, they get to that age where maybe they, they don't grow that much more right? Or they stay the same, or maybe even they go downhill when, when they get to that. Yeah. Every deer is different. Every deer is different. I've seen a lot of deer that peak around three or four and have a nice 150 inch rack. And then they just kind of plateau or they go downhill. Um, this, this deer, I could tell when he was, I think he was two years old when I started paying attention to him. He had like a 13 inch two at two years old. And he's just kind of piqued my interest and I've just kind of been watching him and passing him ever since and it's it's paid off hopefully i'm the one that gets to put a tag on him and it's not the neighbors <laughs> right yeah oh for sure yeah, and maybe you even get her get him before your wife does <laughs> well either that or i'll have a big one come by and i'll put my tag on him and then my wife will be in the hot seat again this year sure yeah oh yeah um so one of the one of the other things that and, and this is along the same lines of what we were just talking about about that resident deer kind of sticking around um, some of the things you, you hear people say, and I've heard my own friends say it, and I'm just not so sure that it's accurate is that, man, it's the rut, it's chaos. There's no pattern. There's nothing going on. All you have to do is be in the woods. Um, while I agree that all you have to do is, is be in the woods and it can happen at any time. I feel like it's not pure chaos and there still is a method to the madness and you can still, uh, position yourself properly for, I guess, specific sits, um, that are very strategic. What do you think about that? Oh, I agree a hundred percent. Like I said, that's my hot week or my hot time frame is like the second through the seventh. Um, and I'm killing deer, you know, uh, some of them are surprised deer or deer that have moved off another farm. Like it was the case this year, but, uh, a lot of the big deer that I'm getting pictures of through the summer, I kill them that first week in November those big mature whitetails never spend more time on their feet in the daylight and cover more area than they do that first week in November. Um, I, I just love that time of year. Yeah. It's kind of chaotic and they're not as predictable as they were. If you're watching one on a field edge or whatever, but when you have a massive block of timber, like I do, um, you're almost better off to just stay out of it in October and let them kind of do their thing and get comfortable. And then when they're really spending the hours on their feet, then you go in and capitalize and kill them. Sure. And then, so when you're going in and, and capitalizing on them, um, how are you, are you taking a look at, you know, say you're not using a, a cell cam um, and you're going before cell cams, right. You know, a few years ago, you were still killing great deer without cell cams. Um, mm -hmm. When you're doing that, how are you organizing your sits throughout the day? Are you, are you sitting all day in one spot? Are you kind of trying to hunt, you know, uh, a bed to, or a, sorry, a food to bed, in the morning and then like some pinch points in the afternoon and maybe a back to a food source in the evening or how, how are you kind of building your day out? Yeah, I, I do some all day sets. Um, I'm not like a lot of guys that just park it all day in one stand. Um, I will, I will do that. If I see a shooter, I see the deer that I want to see. I will set in a stand all day if I think he's in that area, but uh, what you were talking about, I'll get in a stand in the morning, you know, set it till sometimes noon 
if I'm not seeing what I want, I'll get down, I'll move, you know, maybe in between some doe bedding areas where I think I could catch a buck cruising and checking. Uh, and then if I'm not seeing what I want there, then I'll move out to more of a food source. Um, even when the rut's on, you know, these big bucks necessarily aren't the ones feeding, but they're following the does out that are feeding on the food source. So I just kind of try to where I think I'm going to be able to intercept a deer doing what he's supposed to be doing during that time of the day. Got it. Um, okay. Yeah, no. And that, and that makes sense. I, I was curious about that. Um, just because I know in my, as I'm building out my day, I, um, I like to try to sit all day or be in the woods all day. I feel like sitting at the cabin, isn't going to kill me one. Um, so I just try to make sure that I always have a, a good wind and I'm not disrupting a lot else on the property if I'm sitting all day. Um, but at the same time, I, I do, I also like to move around, um, pick different stands throughout the day based on what I'm feeling and what the wind's doing. Um, but my other, other question there is that with, um, oh, I just lost it. Oh man. I was on such a roll. <laughs> um, building out yeah building out those days um oh when do you know when do you know when you're not seeing what you want to see and when to move like how do you how do you do that because the other day I was in a stand and and I told you I mean we talked about this um earlier I think it was a recording is just you know I saw a buck at 7 a.m and by like 10 30 I wasn't really seeing what I wanted to see but I was really hoping that at any time it would break loose I thought about moving and then I just ended up staying for the whole day and just trying that out. Um, I didn't really like it, but I couldn't get my mind off of, man, the second I get down, he's going to come through, you know, right. what is the, what does that thought process look like for you? Well, like if you're sitting in that area and it was kind of slow that morning, do you continue to sit there because you think the deer is on this ridge or this ridge or this bedding point and he's going to come past you to go to food? He's done it before. He did it yesterday. He's working that scrape. I mean, if they're, if you're just kind of randomly in a spot and it, it kind of feels good, but you don't really have any intel on it and you're not seeing what you want to see, then I get down and move around. Um, okay. But if I'm in that area for a reason, you know, if I've got a picture or there's a big track or I've seen a big one, um, then if I don't, you know, if I don't see a ton of activity, I'm a little more inclined to stick around there because there's a reason I'm there. Sure. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Like if you have Intel for a, for a great reason to be there, then be there. If you're out just hunting a brand new spot and you sit there in the morning and you don't see anything and it's 10 a.m. and you're getting anxious then drop down and, and move out this yep that's exactly what that's exactly what i did this morning i uh the neighbors has a cornfield this big deer i've been after i haven't hunted this specific draw yet so i thought you know i'll go in i haven't had any pictures of him on these three parts of the farm so where did he go so this morning i went into a different part uh hung for three hours saw one little buck so I pulled down, moved out, going to a different spot now. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Going to a different spot this afternoon. Um, yep. Okay. So one of the other things you mentioned was that if if you're in an area and you see a big buck, you know, maybe you see him at 730 in the morning, but he's kind of walking away from you or he's walking parallel to you. Do you still continue to sit there or do you try to leapfrog and get in front of him? 
No, I wouldn't try. I wouldn't get that aggressive. Um, okay. I like last, uh, was in 2019. I killed a big deer doing that. I, I watched him go in and it was getting a little later in the morning. So I knew he probably wasn't far off from bedding. You know, I, pro- I figured he'd probably be within a couple hundred yards of where I saw him. I went back in, fine tuned my position a little bit and killed him that evening, uh, coming, coming back out, uh, leaving the bedding area, going back out to cruise. So uh, I, I wouldn't get that aggressive and try to get in front of them. I mean, unless you just have an absolutely ideal situation where you can loop way around in front of them and you know, there's no chance he's going to catch you. But a lot of times, you know, if it's a little later in the morning, that deer's probably getting ready to park it. So if you get back in there, just try to anticipate where he's going to go in the evening, you know, that's a good way to kill him. So even, and even during the rut, you think that they're parking it between 10 and noon, most of the times 10 and two or something like that. Well, yeah, a lot of these big deer, you know, they've been up, it depends what time of year it is. Right. So early November, they're still kind of cruising around and checking. They'll, they'll lay down in bed might only be for a half hour or an hour and then they'll get back up and move around. Um, but yeah, usually if it's a little later in the morning, they're, they're bedding down there, you know, they're not on their feet the whole day, but mm-hmm. you, you, even though you're seeing midday movement, you're just catching that deer between beds. I mean, he's not on his feet the entire day. So, yeah. um, okay. yeah, that's, if you're, if you're seeing a deer, a big deer and it's later morning, uh, especially if you know, there's does in the area, there's a good chance that he's probably going to be bedding down and then, you know, kind of checking those does throughout the afternoon in between beds okay yeah that's all right that makes sense um do you find that if you think like say you see a a good buck um in early october right maybe you're out i don't know picking your beans or something like that and you see a good buck using a certain trail do you take that into account and do you think those bucks use those same trails during the rut well every deer is different um and every farm's different i mean it's that's a situational question i guess okay yeah that's you don't need to answer that that was a terrible question well no it's not (laughs) it's not a terrible question it's an interesting question and it makes you think but i uh i have seen big deer from the combine do certain things and then go in and hunt them and get pictures of them and and see the deer in the same area but a lot of times you know i'm just kind of taking inventory in october and just kind of seeing who's there and then I'll kind of get into the classic spots on my farm and run into those same deer. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Now they're just in that, in that area. I guess my, my thought is for me personally, that was a very selfish question. Um, because I have seen a a good buck, um, very, he looks very similar to the buck that you shot on November 4th. I don't, I don't think he, I mean, he might get to 165, but he's split brow tines, very clean 10 point, um, Uh good mass. And I saw him once in early October use a specific trail, um, just before, uh, just before light, I could just see his rack kind of working through the woods, pulled up the binos was like, yup, that is him at 85 yards, you know? So, um, and my, my question is, you know, it's an odd trail. It's, it's not something that I've ever seen does use or any other deer use. Um, and my question is, is should I be trying to hunt that during this time frame in the morning, which would be that same kind of attitude form of leaving that food source, working through a hundred yards of the woods, and then he drops down into this bottom and then climbs up the other ridge to go bed. Yeah. Well, that's the great thing about trail cameras. You don't always have to be there to kind of hunt the spot. So 
right. you think you've got a, a spot where he might be, or you might have figured out a little piece of the puzzle, hang a camera in there and see see if you're right. You know, see if he's using it. Yeah. Um, that's you know those cameras are designed to be used as a tool. So if you think that you figured something out, uh, reaffirm that with a camera. You know, pop a camera up and see mm. if you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's very fair. <laughs> um, do you take into account the movements of younger bucks and saying, okay, if, if I had a couple basket racks, use this trail, I'm sure the big boys coming along this trail as well. Or do you discount that and say, ah, they, they don't really know what they're doing. I, I don't pay much attention to young deer movement. I mean, it gets me excited when I, I see younger deer on a trail camera and does, you know, I know that there's deer in that area and that's, you know, a lot of times, that's what it takes to to have a bigger deer in the area. So it's always good to see deer movement. But as far as like trying to read specific trails based on what younger deer are doing, I don't put a lot of stock in it. Um, I mean, deer trails are great, right? So you don't always have to see a big track or a big rub or a big scrape to, to have found a good spot to, to kill a big deer. But like, if I see a couple little deer using a spot, I don't, come back to that spot in hopes of finding a big deer there i guess sure okay no i i guess my my thought process there is like you know say you're out in the woods and and you're sitting in a newer area and you see a couple a couple younger bucks come through maybe they're not even 100 inches right and they're you see three of them and they're all using the same trail and it's just out of range at 55 yards you know the next time you go in there are but you th- you're pretty confident that the trail that you picked at 20 yards is where you think that bigger boy will come through but now all these other deer are showing you that that 55 yard trail is what they're liking to use today are you trying to i guess that my thought there is like sometimes in my brain i'm like you know what i want to move closer to that 55 yard trail so i can get to that shot you know if he does decide to use that because it looks like these other deer are using it but at, on the other side of my brain it says no, no, those are immature deer. They aren't as old and as wise and as witty as these more mature deer. The more mature deer are probably going to stick to this stuff that's maybe in the thicker cover. Um, and they're probably going to use this one. So I should just stay confident in this trail that I've picked. Yeah, that's uh that's a good point. And honestly, I mean, I've seen it work both ways. Um, I'm probably not giving you the solid concrete answer that you want, <laughs> That's but fine. I, 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 do, don't, yeah. I do the same thing. Like I get, I'll get in a spot and I'll see deer moving maybe a little off of where I figured they would be and I'll resituate and hang. And if things uh, don't go my way, maybe I'll go back or maybe I'll stay. I mean, it's that, that being a, that being able to adapt in the woods is, is the key to whitetail success. You know, don't, don't hang a stand and just, be set on well i've did all the work you know i've got to stand here this is where i'm going to stay you know if you see if you see deer in general doing something and you're on a range i mean it's probably a good idea to to tweak a little bit and try to get into position but if you're if you're hunting a deer based on a massive rub and most of the deer are 100 yards away but you're looking at that rub then you know then you've got a reason to kind of stay where you're at sure yeah that that makes sense that makes yeah so uh, again, it's kind of back to that same point we talked earlier. If you have the intel, stay where you're at. If you don't have the intel, then you probably want to move. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you mentioned this earlier too, whether you hunt out of a, a saddle or a stand or a mobile setup, what have you. I'm curious as to what you run. I run a little bit of everything. Um, 
we are we're running Novix tree stands. Uh, really like the Novix. I was hunting out of it this morning. Yeah. It's it's light. It's light. Uh, packs in really nice. Um, I like that stand. I also have a tethered saddle. That's what I killed my buck out of there. Oh, it's been what's it been six or seven days ago. Yeah. Um, I've killed three big ones out of a saddle now. I really like that. It's super light, super quiet, no banging and clanging. Um, when I want to go into super stealth kill mode, a lot of times I'm in a saddle. Um, I have, and like I said, on that farm, I have designated hot spots that have historically produced year, you know, year after year. Um, so I'll go set in those stands, uh, when the time and the wind is right. So I'm, I've got a little bit of everything going on. I've got redneck blinds. I've got ground blinds. I mean, if there's a way to hunt them, I've done it. <laughs> hey, Austin, if you look at social media, you can't, you can't be everything. You have to be a saddle hunter or a stand. Right. I don't think well, you I get made, that memo, man. I get made fun of a lot for hunting out of the saddle, but <laughs> most of the time I can say, well, when you start killing bigger deer than me, then I, I'll take it to heart. But I just, <laughs> I push back a little bit on the guys that start making fun of me and then they yeah. stop. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the trump card of the slap in the face. Yeah. Talk shit all you want. And here's the proof. Um, right. You know, and I will. So like uh, this year, have you ever heard of out on a limb? I have. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I wanted to, I was kind of torn between, um, I, I don't I don't work with any, um, tree sand sponsors or anything like that. So this year I wanted, um, uh, a type of setup, um, a, a new stand setup. I have the lone wolf, the old lone wolf alpha two setup and everything. And I was just looking for, for fun, literally to try something else. So I was like, all right, I'll try a lone wolf or this out on a limb. Um, I picked up the out on a limb. I saw those guys at the same trade show that deer hunting trade show that I met you at. And, um, um, we talked a little bit and ended up picking up their tree stand and sticks. And this year I've been running their tree stand sticks and a saddle, um, because there's been a couple of times on, even on the farm that I hunt, you know, it's our property. I haven't looked at every single tree. And if I can sit in the stand, I will, if I can get that shooting lane off to my left, you know, like you want, um, I'm right-handed. Yep. Um, but if I can't, then I'll just hang the stand and use it as like a platform. You know, they're so small. And, and I know the Novix ones are pretty, pretty small and light as well. Um, so they're just so small that I carry everything. And, and that way I'm always kind of ready for whatever situation presents itself. No, um, that's great. That's, yeah. That's being able to adapt to the situation. And if you have all your gear with you, you have that option to kind of go either way. It works out nice. Yeah. Yep. So I, I, I guess that's, that's something that I just like to throw out there is you, you don't have to be one or the other. Um, and really like, do you run one of the tethered, uh, platforms as well? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I guess at that point you're kind of, do you, and you're saying, I know what tree I'm going to get into. So I'm going to bring my, my saddle and my, um, platform that I'm going to hang in this one, or I'm going to run my Novix and hang in this one right? Is Correct. Yeah. And I, I wear a different safety harness when I'm in a tree stand versus my, you know, my saddle when I'm saddle yeah. hunting. So I kind of have to make my mind up before I leave the house, which direction I'm going to go. But <laughs> if, you know, if you're, if you bring all your gear with you and you can, you can go in an area and say, well, this tree is not very well suited for my stand, but I think I could get in it with a saddle or I see a tree over here that's in the right spot that I need my saddle for. If you've got all your gear with you and you're able to adapt, I mean, that's, 
just gonna the odds are gonna be in your favor if you're able to do that yeah yeah i guess i've noticed i've just noticed that that's really allowed me to kind of get in my my first priority like if i can and especially if i'm sitting for four or five six hours or i intend on that um i like to sit in a stand if i can it's just easier more comfortable i feel like you're smaller um in a stand and you have less movement so less less chance of them catching you but at the same time you know as long as that deer's to my left i don't care if i'm in a saddle or a stand right right and you almost kind of hang backwards with a saddle right so you're right. facing the tree so your shot's almost kind of it's to your left or behind you is the way yeah. i set up i I like that swinging behind shot. I'm comfortable with that, but yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot to that. I actually, when I shot my deer this year, I was shooting off my weak side. So it would be off the right side of the tree yeah. and that, that can turn into a shit show in a hurry, but uh, <laughs> it, it was fun. The doe, the doe was bumping all around me and I was all, I'd twist one way and then I'd twist back around and I was, uh, I was moving quite a bit, but man, when they're on those does, you can get away with a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's funny. And that is one of the big, um, the big benefits to a saddle is like, if you're in a tree stand and that deer comes to your right, man, you got to stand up and turn around in order to make that happen. Um, but if you're in a saddle, you kind of just rotate and then put your bow over your bridge, over your rope, and then you can usually get that shot off. Yeah. There's advantages and disadvantages to both. I think the yeah. guy that's well-versed in both systems is probably going to be the guy that's successful the most. Yeah, I, I certainly agree as well. Um, all right, cool. Yeah. I just wanted to get, get your take on that. Um, so going, going forward, um, into kind of mid November, you know, you said you were going to let that area settle down for that big boy that you're after. Um, does that mean you're just out of it and waiting for the cameras to tell you he's back checking that scrape or are you kind of poking around the edges, sitting really safe sits kind of observation style or, or what are you up to now? Well, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm kind of investigating parts of the farms that I think he could be in and I don't have a camera going there. Um, I'm kind of hunting the fringes right now. Um, I'm just trying basically right now I have no Intel since the day that I shot my buck when I saw him. So it's been seven or eight days. Um, no pictures, <laughs> no, no knowledge <laughs> of where he's at. So I'm just trying to figure him out right now. And I'm, tr I'm trying to be conservative enough that even if I don't see him with my own eyes, he'll pop a camera off and then I know he's in there. So sure, it's, it's one of those, it's a tricky chess game right now because it's the time of year when you want to be aggressive you want to be in the timber with them but I think where I have my camera set up on that deer if he was in that farm I would be getting a picture once every four or five days um, and I'm just not getting it yet so I'm just I'm telling myself he's not there and I'm just kind of staying out and trying to play it cool sure okay um, what about, and that's, and, and you're targeting a specific deer, which can be very similar to some people's situation. Um, you know, cause if, if some people are targeting a specific deer and they get winded, um, like you're doing, it sounds like your, your advice there would be to back out and just let the, let it cool off and let them get reacquainted and think that all is good now again. Correct. Well, yeah, I guess it depends on how hard you get busted too, but that's, that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, this deer, when he, when he got me, he nailed me pretty hard. I, I, he was coming in towards me. I thought my thermals were going to be above him and 
for whatever reason, they were not. And he got me and I seen his ass going away from me. And then I heard him blow about 10 or 15 times down in the bottom. <laughs> and that's kind of unique in itself. I, I usually don't see a big mature whitetail blow like that, but he did. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, like I said, I'm hoping that it didn't push him out hard enough to where I'm not going to see him again. I think it's, it's just a waiting game now. I just don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah. Were you still, were you still in the tree when he busted you? I was, yep. yeah. I shot that deer and, and I knew that I had really good odds of seeing that deer that morning. So I climbed back up and he, if he would have been another 10 yards, if he would have went down in that draw another 10 yards, I think I would have had a really good chance at double in that morning. That would have been my first double. Oh yeah. I don't know why in my brain I was thinking you only had one tag at the time, but you in Illinois, you guys get two buck tags, right? Right. I, it's a yeah. farm that we own. So I had my landowner tag and then I always buy my second tag before season starts that just for that reason, if I'm ever able to double in one morning, yeah. um, then, then I'm legal to do so. And, oh, you man. know, when, when a hot doe's in the area, I mean, that's a testament to it right there. I've seen multiple yeah. big deer on a doe before, uh, you know, chances are very good to tag out on two big whitetails if the hot doe comes through. <laughs> oh man, that is, uh, yeah, that would have been a, a sight, man. You shoot one that and then 30 minutes later, you shoot another giant. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a nice morning, a, a mid sixties and, and close to a 180 on the same morning. That would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a day that would, would be impressive to anyone's standards in even the juries they would have looked at that yep. and said, what <laughs> well oh, i think i was a lot closer than i realized to doing it but he got me so now i get to hunt him for the rest of the season <laughs> right yeah and when you said uh you think he'll be for sure be around in late season is that just kind of food sourcing i've got a plot there that he really liked last year it's where my wife missed him and uh, got got some big time brassicas in it and some clover so I think I should be able to catch up with him there on that plot if he does what he did last year. So hopefully gotcha. fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, all right. So a question I was starting to get to earlier, but is if, if you're not hunting a specific deer, you know, at this point in time, say, say you don't know that this buck exists anymore. Um, and you're just looking for a good buck. What are you doing um, in the next, in the next few days here? Uh, you know, I, uh, November 11th to November 20th. What are you, what are you up to yep. strategy? Yep. Well, my good buddy, Ross bigger, he's also on the working class bow hunter podcast. Uh, he is a known giant killer. And last year he was able to slip in and kill this monstrous 202 inch white tail in between doe bedding areas at two o'clock in the afternoon i believe it was november 12th or 13th somewhere in there um and that's i mean that's classic mid-november hunting strategy right there you're trying to catch a buck that is kind of in between does he's bred his first one he's kind of starting to cruise and look for the second one uh just coming out of lockdown on one looking for the second one and and maybe he was already with that doe and he was just going from one ridge to another to do whatever, check another doe, hit a scrape or whatever. But Ross intercepted that deer and capitalized and just killed an absolute slob in the middle of yeah. the day. <laughs> yeah. So um for that for that strategy, essentially you're saying 
I mean, yeah, good, good for him. I saw that buck. It is a, it is a giant. Like <laughs> that one does not, uh, you look at that thing and, and you go, yeah, that's 200. <laughs> yeah. He's um, all framed. Yeah. Um, so with that strategy, you're, you're essentially, you know, trying to find those known doe bedding areas and trying to find some sort of, of trail or path that a deer would take between the two. Yeah. Find, find an easy way to get in and out of it without alerting every doe that's on the ridge. Uh, find that nice transition area between beds and, you know, mid midday can be a great, a great time to hunt during this lockdown phase. Um, you know, if you watch historic cell camera pictures on your farm, I'm sure that a lot of guys are going to see big mature whitetail around 11 o'clock to two o'clock on their farms during that middle of November. And there's, I would say for shooting a deer in the middle of the day, there's probably not a better time as that middle of November time frame. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. I know that day we talked about earlier, November 4th, I had um, a shooter on our property. He's a really old, pretty decent eight point, maybe, maybe breaking 140, really tall, um, but he's got no brows. So um, he, uh, he was on his feet, um, a couple times, uh, at 11 and 1230, um, on different cameras on the property. So, yep. um, and that was, you know, that was a great movement day. Um, so, okay, no, that's great. Great piece of advice. And is that, you know, in terms of that, are, would you say like people should sit all day or if people really want to take a break, um, is it like, Hey, you know, sit the first few hours, take a little bit of a break and then go hunt from noon to the evening or do you have any i mean you're taking a break right now it's what is it noon yeah noon yep. 115 yep i if i i love hunting the first 3 4 hours of daylight and the last couple hours of daylight i'm just that's always been when i killed my deer i don't have a lot of midday honestly i don't know if i have any midday deer on the wall um, almost all of my deer come in the first three or four hours in the last two or three. Okay. Um, but Ross, on the other hand, is the opposite. Almost all of his deer are midday deer. And <laughs> it, it, I think it's just because I can't let go of that morning set. I just love watching the sun come up. But if there is any time of year when I set in the midday, it is during this November 10th through 20th time frame. Um, okay. It's a great time to be in the woods. And just pay attention to what your cameras are saying. You know, every farm's different too. If you've got a, a camera that's absolutely lighting up when it when it gets to be ten and eleven o'clock, that's telling you to get in the woods. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. No, good good points. Um, cell cams. What what type of do you run a specific brand at all that you'd like to say we, works really well? Or we do. Yeah, I've I've got a little bit of everything. I've had experience for I don't know probably six or seven years with with uh, cell cameras. Um, I'm I've got Tacticam reveals. I've got uh, I've got an old covert. I've got uh, Spartans. Uh, the ones that I'm currently running that I really like are spy points. Uh, they're cheap and great picture, uh, reasonable plans. I mean, I, I like the spy point. So I've, okay. I'm running a little bit of everything. I can't say that I've had horrible luck with any of them. So Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, and I don't run any. I mean, I have an Exodus render right now. 
but I bought that just for my dad for watching the watching the um, road into the property so that we can see when people come and go. We were building building a cabin, and he just wanted to know when people were there and when people weren't. Um, and that's been working out great. But I haven't I haven't been able to steal it from him and put it in the woods actually yet. So <laughs> well, he's gonna know when you steal it. <laughs> yeah i know i'll just have to like remove him from the plan or something <laughs> hopefully he doesn't <laughs> notice um yeah i haven't been getting any pictures lately or no oh, man it looks like this is now on the bean field in the back i wonder how it got there <laughs> um but uh okay yeah no appreciate that um well we're getting we're getting close to an hour i know you want to get back out in the woods is there any um lasting advice or, or impressions that you can give to people for for trying to fill that tag um on a good buck in the next 10 days well, besides the midday sit i would just say get out there and enjoy it you know this is the time of year that we that we wait on for 12 months uh november's a riot it's a blast uh no matter if it's the first week the second week the last week uh big you're gonna see big deer at any time during the month so get out there and and learn a little bit and have some fun with it yeah awesome I, I i appreciate that it's not all business right go and enjoy it we're doing this because it's fun in the first place exactly um, so yeah go have fun doing it all right well thank you for hopping on austin um again you can catch austin as a co-host on the working class bow hunter you can find him on instagram and it's austin chandler 1197 so just look up that is there any other are you on any other platforms that you want to talk about I've got a Facebook account, but my honestly, most I, I share a lot of working class bow hunter podcast related information on my Facebook page. So you can find me on Facebook. Okay. Um, I, I try to post all of my every deer that I shoot. I try to kind of keep a, a log of that on my Instagram account. So that's kind of my favorite account. But okay. um, yeah, check out the working class bow hunter podcast if you haven't listened to it. Uh, it's laid back uh, hunting camp vibes it's just it's pretty much just five buddies bullshitting and talking about hunting so we we have a great time with it and we've been doing it six years now and uh it's really grown into something fun so yeah oh it's awesome i i enjoy listening to the episodes um certainly a good time and you feel you feel like you're in it you feel like you're in the group when everyone's bullshitting and talking um it feels like you're a part of that of that conversation just listening in so well appreciate you listening and appreciate the support and yeah i appreciate you having me on anthony thanks a lot you bet you bet maybe next time we'll talk about the giant moose you killed earlier this year that'd be a good one <laughs> all right um yeah you can you can hear that one on the working class bow hunter as well so um yeah thank you everybody for listening really appreciate your time hope this podcast was helpful and useful you guys got some strategies out of it that you can deploy this week and um hopefully you get some deer if you do be sure to find austin thank him um i know that means a lot to me when people listen to the podcast and they go hey i killed this deer based on a strategy that i heard on the podcast uh we all do this we take our time to to do this talk about this stuff to help others and um and it's awesome to get that feedback um if you would please subscribe um and and rate the podcast certainly helps in helping other people find it and best of luck in the next week guys Thanks for listening.